0: Welcome back to the non-standard 14 er podcast, the podcast that tells you everything the route description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14-ers. I'm sitting around here with TJ. Hey! Jason
1: Jack. Howdy! CTP. Yo! And Cloud. Hey! We're joined here tonight by a good friend, Jenny Gang, otherwise known by her trail name Cloud. Really excited to have you on the podcast, Jenny. Um, she's an accomplished through hiker. She's done the Continental Divide Trail and also is nine days fresh off the trail of the PCT, Pacific Crest Trail. And we're uh, really excited to talk about through hiking and all that entails, as well as some of the 14ers. So thanks for being on the podcast.
2: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: How many miles do you
0: think you hiked this summer? And how many days did you stay in a tent or under the stars? Ooh. I was trying to figure out. We did like 18 I mean, on Ontario. Long was probably 16. Calabra's 12. I bet I had I know, 120, if I had to guess. 10 days in a tent. Yeah, I would there? say
1: probably 100, 120 miles, but I feel like we had... 15
3: nights, at yeah, least. Yeah, at least. That's cool. summer. I did. So we did the Days 18. on the Colorado Trail. How many miles was that? Uh, we did the Collegiate West. So it was a 80-ish. 80 miles, 81, 82 miles. Um, and we did longs with me. It was like 16 days. Eight that was a long day. Is 18 it? on Antero. We did a long way on Antero. 18 on that. Um, <clears throat> flat tops on my backpack hunt. I had just over 40 Oh, miles. That's
4: a good... Yeah, so you're racking them up. Do you get to Ooh. count
3: ski touring miles, too? Ooh. California? Why not? Yeah. Backcountry travel. Anything but a bike, I would say. Oh, I like Ooh, that. good point. That's
4: a good point. Then we've well, got more we, than that, because well, you've got... S-
1: we average, like, every time we tour, like, three miles, you know, on a little there. Sunday jaunt or something. Yeah. Average three miles a day, another 90, so... Okay. I'm close to 200 miles on the season, or on the that's year. That's pretty good...
0: In cloud, how many miles did you
2: hike? <laughs> so summer starts June 21st. That was actually my 30th birthday, and I got four miles that day because I climbed Mount Sniktow with a friend. And then the next morning, I flew to Seattle, and then I spent 136 nights in the backcountry <laughs> hiking 2,650-ish miles on the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. Wow.
0: And need to smoke, Right. Game over. <laughs> yeah, we lose. How many nights was that, you say?
2: Um, So it was 136 nights on the trail, but of course some of those nights were motel rooms. Some of those nights were crashing with friends or random trail angels. Um, Most of them, though, were spent in my tent, and a couple were spent outside of my tent just sleeping under the stars.
0: And why did you go north to south?
2: I went north to south for a couple reasons. I had always wanted to do the PCT southbound because I knew there would be um, significantly less people going that way. And while I think it's amazing that so many people are living their dream on the PCT, my personal preference is to travel without massive crowds. i had always wanted to do that and I actually decided to hike the PCT very late in the game for somebody who was going to hike the PCT. I started after all the north, or I decided after all the northbounders had already left about two months before I set out for the trail. And it just seemed like the right decision from the very beginning because everyone said the weather would be better and the mosquito season would be shorter. You know, I'd have a lot of solitude. And while none of those things turned out to be true, I still think it was a good decision. <laughs>
4: okay, so back up. What is the PCT?
2: Uh, The Pacific Crest Trail goes from the Canadian border in North Cascades National Park to the Mexican border in Campo, California. Mm. It's 2,653 miles this year, although because these long trails are constantly getting rerouted and changing a little bit from year to year, people just say
1: 2,650. (laughs) (laughs) You said you did the Continental Divide Trail as well?
2: Yes, that's a longer trail. When did you do that? I did that in 2016.
3: Okay. And north to south?
2: I did south to north on the CDT.
3: And you went straight through, too. You didn't do, like, I know a lot of people, especially when snowpack is bad, they'll split it in half.
2: Yeah, so we call that flip-flopping. If you On the CDT, for instance, you might hike through New Mexico and then get to the San Juans and see that the snow there is somewhat impassable for your taste um, because this is probably going to be late May or early June. And then you would rent a car or get on a bus or maybe even hitchhike up to the Canadian border and start heading south in Glacier National Park. Um, the dif- <laughs> why you might want to do that, even though there's still snow up in Montana, um, the trail in Glacier is valley to pass. So you're, you're going to go up high, but then you're going to come right back down. Whereas the CDT in the Weminuche Wilderness, for instance, just stays high on that ridge the whole time. Hmm. Oh, it's like. Huh above
3: tree line for many 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 miles there's no mm-hmm. escape and, and that's part of Colorado. <laughs> and, what mm-hmm, <laughs> the Weminuche wilderness it's actually you, where what fourteeners are What?
2: Um, so the CDT in the Weminuche does not um, go very close to many fourteeners but it does pass sort of just south of the red cloud alias sunshine
3: it's it good near Lake City yeah. or does it go it goes what's yeah. the, what's the right across counts?
2: Spring Creek pass which is uh, where you hitch mm-hmm. into Lake City
3: so you have Crete on one side of the pass and then Lake City on the other. Mm-hmm. Which is why their lame little grocery store has so
1: much cool hiking stuff in it because they cater to thru-hikers, don't Mm -hmm. they? Can't you find some good stuff in Lake City? Is that a stop? Oh, yeah, Yeah.
2: absolutely. Um, Lake City, I think, is one of our more remote stops on the CDT, certainly in Colorado, but it's a necessary one if Mm -hmm. you want to resupply at all between Silverton and Salida. Or some people even go straight from Pagosa Springs to Lake City to Salida.
4: Wow. So you just finished the PCT trail how many days ago?
2: Nine. <laughs> Nine <Seven> days, <laughs> days ago. Nine days
4: ago. Okay, so what was the first thing that you ate when you finished
3: hiking? A good question. Um,
2: my friend who had finished the trail a little bit before us pulled up to the Southern Terminus to pick us all up with a trunk full of beers, um, and I consumed... A lot of beers before eating um, after reaching the summit. <laughs> yes, yeah. But we then drove to a little like gas station uh, taco stand uh, on the way to San Diego, and it was perfect. It was some of the best tacos I've ever had, or maybe it was the trail, or maybe it was the tacos. We were <laughs> did, you, did you know
1: you had the tacos to look forward to on the last leg, or was no. that just spontaneous?
2: No, the the best tacos in life are not tacos that you look forward to. They're tacos that surprise you. Spontaneous tacos. Spontaneous (laughs) tacos. I think that needs to go on a t-shirt.
1: Can we talk about your gear for a second? Because I'm really curious. We don't get to talk to a lot of thru-hikers.
2: If you must. Um, I know you've
1: probably talked about it a ton, but I'm curious, you know, what pack, what size, Mm -hmm. footwear, any tips and tricks for, you know, tape and things like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have come around over the years to... You know, to like the idea of ultralight backpacking and to be really impressed by how much easier it makes your life when you're trying to hike 30 miles a day for 136 days. I don't think I'll <laughs> ever be one of those people who's totally like ultralight, as in you have a base weight of 10 pounds or less, um, because there are a lot of those people out there. Wow. But I've gotten my gear down pretty much to like what I think is the bare minimum, bare minimum of what I need to be really comfortable. <laughs> Um, I have, my pack is a Hyperlite Mountain Gear um, Wind Rider 3400, and I've had it for several years now. I first got it for the Wind River High Route, actually, up in Wyoming, Um, and I really, really love it. It actually has, it survived the through hike, which I didn't anticipate because it was already so beat up by the time that I brought it out to Washington. Um, But it survived the through hike with, you know, minimal wear and tear, although it is White, so it's really dirty now. Nice. Um, pro tip for Hyperlite Mountain Gear owners: you can color all over your pack with Sharpie to make the dirt less noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like signing your cash. Yeah. Kind of like. <laughs> it will not impact the quality of the material. What size? Um, it is the 55 liter. Okay. Yeah, and that was I never had it at capacity on the mm. PCT. I think the only times I've ever had that pack at capacity at all. Or on a canyoneering or a pack rafting trip.
1: Okay.
4: So when you're doing this trail, how many days consecutively are you completely without any access to... Talking about gear. What? <laughs> <laughs> she
0: only got to her backpack. You want to, I want to oh, hear. sorry.
4: That's Okay.
2: We can come back to that. We'll go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: That's um, a great okay. question. We're, we're, <laughs> call, we're, we're going curious, through the
4: Because she's talking about a 55 liter pack and it not being totally maxed out. But that must yeah. mean that you hit stops that you can resupply and refuel. Mm-hmm. So like what's that longevity? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So yeah. On, the, on either the PCT or the CDT, I never carried food for more than seven days. Hmm. And seven days is pushing it. Sure. But, um, the, the pack was nowhere near maxed out on the average carry, which was four days. Maybe like three or four days on the PCT and four to six days on the CDT. Very Although cool. I did have a different pack then, actually. So that's oh, true. But what
4: pack did you have on the CDT? On
2: the CDT, I had the Gossamer Gear Gorilla, um, which is a way, way too small pack, especially for someone who was um, carrying as much stuff as I was. And that pack completely fell apart. I had to sew the hip belt back on with dental floss. It was just being ripped <laughs> to shreds on the outside. <laughs> and that's the whole- impressive in itself.
3: <laughs> that you can sew something you're geared back together with dental Dental
2: floss floss, yeah good times now we know dental floss is in the pack dental floss Mm. yeah should be in the pack you'd think (laughs) i would have learned from that wouldn't you you Um, carry a needle then you carry like i carry a needle and thread yeah which i needle and thread is something that i almost started without and my best friend was like you're not bringing a needle and thread what's wrong with you here take mine and i'm so glad i did because i used it all the time Hmm. oh wow Um,
0: what else did you sew?
2: Yeah. Um, I sewed my tent when it I accidentally ripped a hole in it with my arm. Um, and then I sewed my tent again when a mouse chewed a hole in my tent. And then I sewed various things like shoes and... Um, clothing and wow. okay. yeah, yeah I, I can't even remember the rest boring stuff but did you
3: have sewing skills going into this or did you just <laughs> learn on the fly i'm curious because youtube sewing <laughs> skills ptc mm-hmm. or I, because honestly like I, I think if you were if you were thrown out in the wilderness mm-hmm. like survivor girl like you're just thinking okay i can i can do this yeah or did you already know going in like okay i've i've youtube it or i knew it from handed down someone showed you
2: my mom taught me how to sew and knit when I was very, very young. Okay. And because I am unemployed right now, I'm offering a class for people who want to learn how to sew in the backcountry. <laughs> With $50 dental floss dollars, you can Venmo me. Signing up right now. Yeah. <laughs> dental floss knitting.
0: You know we're gonna use our off trail jingle like eight times in this podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, so back to the gear. Okay, so the pack. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the pack was the Hyperlite Mountain Gear. I love that pack so much. I feel like it really just like toes the line between like ultralight backpack and actually versatile pack that everyone can use. Um my sleeping bag was a Western Mountaineering nice. um bag. My Wait, do you, what's the way? Do you know? Two pounds. What temperature yeah. rating?
1: We're just going to keep peppering you with these questions. <laughs> 20 questions. degrees. How okay. much was it? Yeah. Where did you get it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> uh, that up. one, that is the only major piece of gear that has done both the CDT and the PCT the entire way with me.
1: Do you use a bag liner to keep it clean? Yes.
2: Um, not oh. always. I actually use the bag liner more for warmth. Okay. Um, but I had it for almost the whole CDT and then I didn't have it for a lot of the PCT because I was just trying to be really ultralight, man. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as a result, my sleeping bag is really
3: dirty. So, are you in the? Is it? Are you in the? Um, the ultralight tent. So, are you mm-hmm. the Z-Pack crowd or are you? What do you use for your tent?
2: I'm the, I don't have enough money for a Z-Packs crowd. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I actually have a tent that I really love. Um, It's Six Moon Design Skyscape Trekker. It's not one that I see a ton, but it's a single wall tent. So fully enclosed with a floor, bathtub floor. um, And it's set up with two trekking poles and it just has so much headspace and is wide enough. I feel like for almost two people, it is verifiably wide enough for a person and a dog. (laughs) Um, uh, and it weighs just under two pounds. So amazing tent. Yeah.
1: And you use your trekking poles as the,
2: I use my trekking poles to set it up. What about shoes? Shoes. I started with Merrill MQMs. Um, and I liked those. Okay. But the tread wore down so fast in Washington Mm. that when I got to the REI in Portland, I was like, I'm going to get new shoes. Like, this is ridiculous. It's been 500 miles. (laughs) Um, the tread is worn down to nothing. So I went to the REI and I was looking around and I kept gravitating towards the hokas. Mm. Um, And I was just like, I don't know if people really wear these shoes, I don't know anything about them. They're just so big and fancy. And I was texting my friend and she was like, if you want to go with a different shoe, get the Cascadia's, they're tried and tested trail shoes. And I was like, I don't know, man, those ones don't spark joy. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I bought the Hokas and nice. um, th- th- through the rest of the trail, I went through three pairs, so they're extremely durable. Um, they do hold up as a good through hiking shoe, mm. the Hoka Torrent. Okay. Um, they, three pairs did over 2,000 miles. Wow. So.
0: I we love my Three Hoka's. pairs. So you four mm-hmm. four pairs of shoes to do the... people. hmm Wow. Okay, what the, else? We got shoes, we got backpack, backs, we got... Tent. 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 Cool.
2: Sleeping cool. pad. Um, food.
3: Yeah, are you the ramen crowd, or are you, or are you the? <laughs> there's the me. mountain house. I know those are a little more expensive. But so or what's the, the I, martini crowd? <laughs> right? or, or are you the, like, the Sean? I, I do martinis. Yeah, and, where uh, did you put your
2: martini? A moose on the trail, yeah. kind of a <laughs> guy. So a lot of people that I know tried to start the trail eating as well as they could um you know healthy whenever possible make some hummus wraps pack out some carrots i don't really know having <laughs> done the cdt previously i knew there was no use fucking around with any of that so i should just go straight for the sour gummy worms ramen and cheese diet nice. um and that'll plug you up <laughs> <laughs> perfect it's strange how well your system adjusts to that you know everybody has their Staples that they buy in town, um, but a lot of common threads among different through hikers are Kraft mac and cheese, ramen, Norris pasta sides, Idahoan instant mashed potatoes, huh. pop tarts, gummies are great as a snack because they don't melt. Uh, Oreos, oh. of course. You can, I think if we decided like two mega stuff Oreos is like 200 calories or something like that. Oh, wow.
5: <laughs> um, because
2: when you're through hiking, And you're walking around the super Walmart, you are counting everything by calories. The more calories, the better. Um, A lot of people, myself included, carry little plastic bottles of olive oil so that we can dump as much olive oil as we can into our dinners. You had
0: coconut oil, too, in your your blogs, like in your morning, like your oatmeal.
2: Oh, well, that was when I had access to fancy things like packets of coconut oil from Trader Joe's. Yeah. I wish I could have had that the whole way. But yeah. So yeah, if I was like waking up in Washington or wherever and trying to get a super calorie dense breakfast, I might make um, some oatmeal, like a couple packets of oatmeal with coconut oil, with powdered milk, um, with peanut butter, you know, whatever I huh. had in there. But the reality of through hiking when I was on the PCT, it was like a cliff bar for breakfast most days because I just had to roll out of my tent and get going. Do
3: you have any other bars with
2: you? Oh, well, <laughs> 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 actually, yes. <laughs> They were not available in most grocery stores on the trail, but in Portland, Oregon, I got a huge shipment um, of bars from a wonderful friend of mine who makes the most delicious bars. I did. I I ate tons of Four Points bars on the trails, and I now have um, very strong opinions on all of the individual flavors.
3: Ooh, I like that. I like that.
2: And my friends liked them too. They are now also familiar with all of the individual flavors.
3: Thank you. It's a very shameless plug there. Is that a yeah. Colorado company? Is that, yeah. <laughs> so you, so no. you don't
0: carry, like, dehydrated meals? like the. No. Is this too much weight or what? That would be too
2: expensive. Expensive. Yeah. Oh, God, I got gotcha. you. The ramen is 25 cents. Compared so to like, a $7. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Birth
0: beef stroganoff. Mm-hmm.
1: The... <laughs> when you're looking at food, it's most bang for your buck, but is the bang for your buck calories to weight or calories to price, or how do you... Calculate what's valuable yeah. to you.
2: I mean, for me, it's a little bit of both. And I do very little math in the grocery store. <laughs> right. um, I just kind of rely on conventional through-hiker wisdom and my own intuition uh, when it comes to these things. But there, there was a point on the PCT where I was sitting on the floor of the grocery store with my basket. Because one of the things about becoming hiker trash, as we say, is that you just stop following any kind of, like... <laughs> behavioral code in places like (laughs) grocery stores. (laughs) So I would put my basket down on the floor and I would sit down on the floor next to my basket and I would just spread out everything I got. And I would look at the calories um, listed on each food item and I would add them up on my phone calculator to make sure I was buying as close as I could to 4,000 calories per day of food. Uh, So you were um, doing math. I was doing math because the situation had become pretty dire. Yeah. Um, I lost a lot of weight. I probably lost between 15 and 20 pounds on the trail overall. So like that on a slim frame uh, means a pretty big decrease in like energy and Mm -hmm. fitness. And that was my far and away my number one and maybe even only challenge on the PCT Mm. really. Like the one thing that I thought might actually stop me um, from finishing the trail was malnutrition. Um, I was pretty anemic, too. By the time I got to the CRS, I started taking iron supplements, and that made such a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, never start a thru-hike without iron supplements.
3: Just so vitamins or what?
2: Um, just iron supplements, just yeah. pills, or? Pills. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Wow. So you don't, I guess you never really think about that when you yeah. go, most people backpack for a week, right? Maybe a few days. Yeah. When, you, when you're out there for multiple months, and you start thinking about how your body is not going to, you're mm-hmm. not going to get iron from ramen. Or you're not mm-hmm. going to get um, all the things that you eat every year. Your greens. I mean, mm-hmm. how bad did you want a salad while you were out there? Or did you ever crave no, a salad? burger. No. Burger. <laughs> so, you look, so as soon as
0: yeah. you get to town, you go to a yeah. burger joint or what? For
2: me, it was all about the burger. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about that beef. Who had the best burger?
0: I <laughs> the best, best burger on be the trail...
2: It for me was at the brewery in Aetna, California, because they allowed you to design your own burger. Um, and I got a wonderful burger with a fried egg, and bacon, and jalapenos, and avocado, and any number of other good things. Wow. And it was just a really good burger in a cute little town. Perfect. So put in a plug for them.
0: So what are you eating for lunch then?
2: I don't usually differentiate lunch from the other like snack breaks of the day. So I'll just sit down anytime that I have stopped hiking and attempt to stuff my face for as long as I am sitting until I have to get back up and start walking again. So I'll be digging into my Oreos, my gummy worms, potato chips, maybe some oh. Cheez-Its, a jar of peanut butter perhaps. I love to do peanut butter and Nutella flour tortillas, hmm. but I eventually stopped doing those in Oregon because the weight of the jar is just getting to be too much. Why do you carry the olive oil then? Um, I carry it in like a little like travel-sized plastic olive oil bottle.
3: <laughs> for, for a woman, like what would you bring, you know, that you have in everyday life that you brought on the trail that someone might look at and go, like I think people that are on the trail, they look at you and they would go, huh, like you brought that with you. And I know people can be judgmental when it comes to gear out there. I, I totally get that. People are always sizing up their yeah, dorm, it's like, what's people's that? tents and gear and whatnot. But what's the one thing that, or or do you take something that people would raise an eyebrow at, so you know, so to speak?
2: Well, in the thru hiking slash ultralight backpacking community, we call that a luxury item. Um, the people who are, you know, the intense gearhead ounce counters, they'll list out for you everything that's in their backpack and how much it weighs, even if it's a safety pin. Um, and then they'll only allow themselves, you know, a certain number of pounds worth of gear, but they usually allow themselves at least one luxury item. Um, and some luxury items that I saw have or have seen other thru-hikers carry can be anything from like, um, one girl had a tennis ball to roll her feet on. Um, one guy had a really big camera and he considered that his luxury item. I've seen a backpacking guitar, a ukulele, as a luxury item. Wow. Um, That's neat. Yeah, it's basically the one thing that you can live without, but you bring with you to make your life better. For me, um, on the CDT, I had a lot of luxury items, because I had not quite gotten the ultralight backpacking thing down yet. Um, I had like a pair of shorts that lived at the bottom of my pack the whole time, until I like found them in Idaho, and I was like, I brought these. <laughs> <laughs> But um, on the PCT, I started the trail with a paper journal um, and a town romper, which was a yeah, very.
3: What is a town romper? A town, oh, romper. In the blog.
2: <laughs> a town romper is something that you can buy at the Army Navy Surplus Store in Arvada. Um, it's like one of those very fashionable shorts and tank top combination pieces. Um, that people like to wear in the summertime. This one was made of, you know, like non-cotton polyester fabric. It was very compressible. It was a great luxury item until we hit Northern California, and I actually like cut it up in order to make a sun cloth to protect my head.
3: <laughs> so your luxury item became like a necessity. Natural necessity
2: Absolutely. No, I had a friend who called it my tactical romper. <laughs> uh-huh. Very nice. That should
1: be another thing. It's like a buff that you can wear it in 32 different rays, but ways. It's mm-hmm. like a-
4: So what I mean, obviously, these are huge challenges, lots of miles, physically, mentally. It's a lot. What inspired you to start this?
2: I came to the whole world of hiking and outdoor recreation somewhat later in life than most people do. So it's kind of a long story. Um, But I first went camping in college. Um, I liked it so much that I then went backpacking in Nepal. And then I came back, and after I graduated from college, decided to move to Colorado um, because I'd been out here to visit, and I had just seen it and fallen in love. After I was in Colorado for a couple years, my best friend hiked the PCT. So that was my introduction to through hiking. And at the time, I was just like, that seems like an unnecessarily long trip. I feel like you're not going to have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also spent that summer working on a trail crew. So we, for six months, I was in the backcountry for 10 days at a time. What's your up uh, The Southwest Conservation Corps in Salida. It's a nonprofit, like AmeriCorps trail crew. Mm-hmm. So at least,
4: so you were spending time in the backcountry and your friend was hiking the trail. Hiking the
2: PCT, yeah. And so that's when I got introduced to it. But I was like, I still don't know about like the PCT because that just, I mean, that's far away. Like if I ever have time off like that, I want to hike through Colorado. There's so much more of Colorado that I want to see. And somebody told me that the Wind River Range in Wyoming is really beautiful and that it's the best place on the earth, so I have to go there. And I also really want to get up to Montana and see Glacier National Park. So that's what I would do if I had time off. And then someone told me there's actually a trail that goes through (laughs) Mexico to Canada that goes through all of those places and more. Um, And that's when I got it into my head that maybe I wanted to hike the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail. And then a couple years later in 2016, I actually did. Good for you.
0: Um, and so both go to, from Mexico to Canada?
2: Yes. Both the CDT and the PCT go from Mexico to Canada. And they are two out of the three triple crown trails. Um, the other one is the Appalachian Trail on the East Coast that goes from Georgia to Maine. Um, and if a person has hiked all three, they then become a triple crowner.
3: So what's first. on what's next on the list then? If, if, are you already kind of targeting specific trails or are you... You're only ten days out of the trail, right? Or not? So yeah, I know it's. Like, but that's like the cycle of it, right? Is you're like, oh my god, I'm back. I, I'm always looking forward to my next adventure. So is that the next adventure? Is another long distance? Yeah, what's life. that meme you sent me? Oh, it's, it's like cycle of Mountaineer. The Cycle of Mountaineer yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Is deciding you're like yeah, it's planning to go you're getting all excited you go do it you wonder why you're doing it while you're doing it because it hurts so (laughs) much you get down to the bottom you're like glad we're done never going to do this again and then you immediately start planning your next (laughs) cycle starts again and that's the same thing like mountaineering and and backpacking and it's it's all physically painful it can be mentally uh tough too but it's clearly you know super rewarding in Mm -hmm. so many different ways to so many different people and so that's, that's it. Is it. Is it. Maybe it's not a through hike. What is your next adventure? Could it be climbing the 14ers? Could it be mountaineering? Are you going to go back to Nepal and do Everest? Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that's
2: cheap and easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not full of dead people. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are my three criteria. <laughs> <laughs> my criteria for things.
3: Are there dead people on it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Expensive? It's expensive. Oh. All right, <laughs> sign me <you> up. <laughs>
2: No, I don't know for sure what the next adventure is going to be, although I do hope to go for a chill hike with my dog sometime soon. I really want to do the Great Divide Trail that picks up where the CDT stops at the Canadian border and then continues 800 miles north into the Canadian Rockies. Um, That one is still fairly primitive at this point. It's another incomplete trail. Um, It still involves a lot of bushwhacking, scrambling, like very challenging terrain, Um, that would be super different from the PCT and I think even a whole step up from the CDT also. I originally kind of hoped to do that one next summer, but I don't think I'm going to have enough money. And the guy that my friend that I wanted to hike it with doesn't think he's going to have enough money. And I'm also a little tired from the PCT. (laughs) So we'll see. Um, I also do definitely want to do all of the Colorado 14ers one day. And I really would like to travel to uh, Patagonia, South America. Chile.
3: That's on a lot of bucket lists, I would Mm -hmm. imagine.
2: Yeah. You
1: just mentioned something that sparked a question, not asking for you specifically, but in general for a through hike, what should somebody budget financially to to make it happen?
2: People say that a through hike can be done comfortably on a thousand dollars a month, um, which is definitely true. Um, I did the PCT took me four and a half months and I did it on 35 grand. Um, And I... Did not find myself budgeting very hard until almost the end. Like, right. I was really Southern California that I started, like, denying myself treats in order to fall within right. my budget. And you mean 3500 right? You said $3,500. So. <laughs> yes, okay. I'm so sorry. I was 3, about to say, you know, there. Everest is right like, your yeah, there. Right. You're do almost that there. Do I need to say that again? 15000 more and you
3: could do Everest. Does that include your do gear? Or? Sure. I like the joke gear. I was like, wait a second. <laughs>
2: No, No, you don't have to say that again. Perfect. I I want to say it again. I don't want it to be on the podcast known for fucking that up. (laughs) (laughs) That's not... Like, that's... I mean,
0: you spend a grand in groceries when you're living normally, right? I mean, it's not like...
2: like, The through hiking is not a crazy expensive vacation, especially compared to some people's vacations. Not paying rent for four months. Not paying rent for four months, hopefully. And not... You'd be surprised how fast it adds up though like i did keep you know close tabs on everything i was spending and there were some towns where i'm just like putting every expense into my spreadsheet and like this is out of control i can't i can't even look at the total for ashland (laughs) like and
0: your spreadsheets on your phone yeah oh good so
3: now did you bring out like is it when you talk about $3,500 do you have like is this like a wad of cash that you pull out of your your uh, pack or are you walking around with a card it is a credit and
2: debit card combination like most other people, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that primitive, right? It is. It's advisable to carry cash on your thru hike just because you never know when you might need it. Um, and in rural places, certainly there are some more cash only things than elsewhere. Right. But I don't think I ever had an issue trying to use my card.
1: Did you have any issues with feeling unsafe or any weird brushes with? weird people mm-hmm. or anything like that. You don't have to get specific, but I'm just wondering that's something that people, people are... I, I'm happy already. to get specific. No, that's this actually is a great question.
2: Yeah. A question I think that um, I'm really glad you asked and I'm glad that you're thinking about it because oftentimes it's something that weighs heavily on the minds of female hikers and that guys just don't think about at all and are surprised to hear that we have to think about. I, I never go into any like place or situation with the mindset of like suspicion that I'm going to be unsafe um, because of all the wonderful experiences that I've had hiking across the continent and all of the amazing people that I've met. But there are a few instances that stand out in my mind of just, you know, situations that like I either felt very uncomfortable in or actually had to like physically find a way out of. Um, the worst was a hitchhike that I got from Salida back to Monarch Pass.
3: But this is a very interesting topic because there's the majority of people already are already scared of what's in the wilderness right it's it's usually the four-legged toothies Mm -hmm. that people are oh it's something going to eat me but they don't a lot of people i don't think especially like as you mentioned males don't think about the two-legged creepies that Mm -hmm. can you know are scary back there there this does happen it has happened on the at it just recently happened on the at
2: yeah, so I as I always tell my mom, the, the safest place that I can be in terms of like danger from strangers is out in the wilderness just because of how relatively few people there are there. Um, it's getting in and out of towns and spending time in towns that can be sketchy. I had one hitchhike uh, from Salida, Colorado back to Monarch Pass when I was hiking the CDT where I was by myself um, and the guy who was driving me just started to say creepier and creepier things. Um, he started out just you know, calling me pretty girl. Oh, and what do you think, pretty girl? and that pretty girl? <laughs> and yeah. he escalated into saying, like, really disgusting, like, overt sexual things oh. to me. And at this point, like, by the time he had escalated there, luckily we were almost to the pass. And so I kind of had my hand on the door of the truck and I was just looking out the window thinking, well, if I ask him to stop and he doesn't stop, I'm going to have to jump out of this truck right. and that's going to fuck up my life. Oh. <laughs> um, but luckily, I told him to stop, pull over right there, and he did. And I walked away. And Monarch Crest, they have that little store up at the top. So I just walked wow. into this store, and I was surrounded by people. And I like, bought a Dr. Pepper, and I sat at this table for what could have been 10 minutes. It could have been two hours. I don't even know. And my friend eventually came and found me in that store. And he's like, oh, are you okay? Like I was like, are we hiking out? Are you are we hiking out? Can I come with you? Like, wow. Um, Do you care anything for
1: self-defense at all?
2: Who's asking?
3: <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> that's, right. a that's good. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Nice question. yeah. That's that's I, I think really that's a good long. answer.
2: Um, no. Sometimes, sometimes when people, when like old men in trail towns ask me that, I say yes, I have a gun. Mm-hmm. Because why not tell right. them that, right? For sure. So
3: the answer is yes, absolutely, always yes. Mm, I have, right. have uh, Everything, bear mace or anything,
2: or I carried bear mace for all of the grizzly bear sections of the CDT.
0: Which
3: is what sections?
2: It is from the Wind River Range in Wyoming all the way to the Canadian border.
3: And did you run into any grizzly?
2: I guess this actually. is the point in the podcast where I tell my story. Where
3: you tell your, the wildlife stories <laughs> yeah. are coming up, yes.
2: I wonder if I've told you this before, actually. I'm not <laughs> sure. So this is my story, like capital M, capital S. Um, subtitle, Animal Attack. <laughs> 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 your, your
0: blog is very witty. You have very funny like titles. Like, the one blog I liked, it was like, New environment, who dis? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Thank funny. you. No, this is,
2: it's not even on the blog. That's just uh, my subtitle as I tell it. IRL. Um, <laughs> in real life. Well, I didn't know so, that. No. No. I
4: didn't See, right. I, was I was looking around too. Wow. Okay, boom. Okay, okay boomer. boomer. I know.
0: Yeah.
3: I looked up that today. I looked up okay boomer. That, that means it? you're a boomer. That means you to mean, look it. It. Yeah. <laughs> See, now that one I knew because I am the oldest one here, I would imagine. So, yeah. I'm, okay. You win. Okay, well, one, I'm sorry. Why I I again. No clue.
1: <laughs> she's about to tell us a oh, heartfelt story. I know, she about to tell us her story. capital and okay, yeah, story.
2: You're the ones that asked for it. I, this is one of the stories like I was telling you earlier. I've told it so many times I actually don't even really like telling it anymore. Oh. But here we go. So... <laughs> <laughs> The grizzly bear section of the CDT when you're heading north starts in the Wind River Range. So that means I was in this like weird like Mormon ghost town of South Pass City. And I got that my bear guitar. spray in the mail. Wyoming or Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah. I got my bear spray in the mail. I like practiced with it a bunch of times um, before hitting the trail. And at that point on the CDT, I was hiking alone. I had been with a group and I had hiked on and off with friends. But um, for the start of grizzly bear world, I was alone. Um, and I hiked into the winds... And I had, like, one uh, close encounter where I was all ready to spray what I thought was a grizzly bear, but it turned out to be a brown cow. Um, <laughs> just Did you spray it? That happens a lot more <laughs>
3: than you think, actually, because they're well, always grazing in those wilderness areas. My <laughs> oh, wife yeah. has done the same thing. She ran away from me. I'm not to be in front of this mm-hmm. giant black body. She didn't spray. turned it, out to be a cow. No, it was a cow, Yeah. <laughs> continue on sorry
2: well that year um in northern wyoming in 2016 there was a very big fire near dubois wyoming and part of the cdt had been closed for a fire reroute so i was um didn't have much to go on for navigating the reroute they like had a map posted and i took a picture of that with my phone and i was like oh this doesn't look too bad but then it turned out That for, like, eight miles of that reroute, you were just bushwhacking along the creek. There was not a trail. Mm. There were just, like, really, really thick, thorny bushes. And so I did not make it as far as I wanted to that night. And it was getting dark. And I finally found a place that was, like, a little bit clear in the bushes to set up camp. But I was not about to go bushwhack some more over to some faraway trees and do a bear hang. So... I did what is not advisable, but which almost all through hikers do in grizzly country, and I slept with my food in my tent, which I hadn't been doing up to that point. I'd been hanging for the grizzlies, but I didn't that night. And I was, you know, lying awake at night, like a little bit nervous about it, and I thought I started to hear a large animal pace around my tent, and then I was sure that I was actually hearing a large animal pace around my tent. IRL. in real life. And um, I called out, you know, hey, I'm not scared of you, bear, go away. Um, and, it, and it would go away. Like, I wouldn't hear it. And I was like, oh, good, I imagined it. And then it came back. And I shouted it again. And it went away. And then it came back. Um, and after a while, I was just like, okay, but if it was actually going to do anything, it would have done it by now. I'm just going to go to sleep. And then I went to sleep. <laughs> and my alarm went off at 5.15 a.m. And the animal must have been asleep nearby or something because as soon as the alarm went off it ran straight over my tent the the tent collapsed the pole pierced through the fabric i felt it on my back i felt that it had claws because i was sleeping on my stomach i felt the claws on my back and i heard it making these like snarly dog noises
4: (laughs) oh you got trampled by a bear
2: Speculation, but yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> No, that's IRL. Because
2: by the time I had clawed my way out of the tent with my bear spray, it was gone. It had run off. I'll never know what it was. Badger.
3: How but heavy did it feel?
2: <laughs> if memory serves, it felt pretty damn heavy. Did the air like, leave? We were like, Ugh, like it deflated bigger you. Bigger like than a, balloon. a toaster, smaller yes. than a car. Yeah. There you go. Definitely <laughs> bigger than my dog. Definitely <laughs> yeah, okay. smaller than a horse. Okay, well, I have go. a big dog. But it also was weird because it didn't put its full. It didn't like land on me. It just like ran over. It the startled tent. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. And then
0: is your adrenaline up the whole day, or or feel like calm?
2: I just remember st- standing there, and you know, it's like pre-dawn. It's freezing. It's well below freezing temperatures. And I just started to scream. And I just stood there and screamed at the top of my lungs for as long as I could before I realized that my hands had gone completely numb. Uh, So then I kind of just stuffed everything in my backpack, didn't bother putting it in a sack or because I was like pounding it all in there. And um luckily that was the day that i hit town so i bushwhacked the rest of the way along the creek to a road took the road to the pass. took the pass to town met up with some friends didn't camp alone in grizzly country again let me say met with
0: friends there's just people we yeah. met
1: on the trail then?
0: yeah
2: it was actually it was some friends i'd been trying to catch up to for a while so it was extremely fortuitous
1: do, do you think that would have been prevented had you had somebody with you though it sounds like that would have just happened anyway
2: no i don't think it would have been prevented but for my peace of mind it was extremely helpful to be with others yeah
0: it was the was it the thing the food or you think it was just unlucky you were camping basically in the in the bear's den or what?
2: Honestly, I think it was probably just unlucky um, where I was camping. Mm.
0: There,
2: there's wow. there's a lot of conflicting schools of thought about the practice of sleeping with your food in your tent. All I'll say is just that thru hikers do it, it's, and anyone who says they're not is lying. And mm-hmm. and then
3: there's even people now that say that the bear bag hanging thing is is old and you have yeah. to have the container which those are so ridiculous
2: well i think the reason people argue against the bear hangs is not because they don't work but because like 90 percent of them are done incorrectly in a way that doesn't work that's a good point um and that we should be pushing people to get you know the canisters or whatever because those are more foolproof
3: i mean typ- i guess typically what they would suggest is that it's at least 10 feet high it's hung between two trees mm-hmm. so that something can't get it from a tree now granted it's 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 always different no matter where you go and depending on how you bag your food to put in it too i mean some people bring different types of food and most food when you're out backpacking is right like bagged or it's sealed mm-hmm. or so when you do that in, ty- in in front of you know inside of another bag um i've never in you know 30 plus years of camping i've never had anything mess with a food bag but i have seen food bags torn open so mm-hmm. i know that they're there But that is, I was really shocked to see how many people actually sleep on there. And and we had a night on the trail this year where we shared a camp with through hikers who were uh, hiking the the Colorado Trail. Which coincidentally shares 300 plus miles of the Continental Divide Trail, right? And they were all sleeping on their food. And my wife was like, I thought you said. And I'm like, eh, that's what I say. (laughs) Everybody's got their own thing. And, you know, will it result in, you know, a bad consequence down the road? I mean, that's... I, that's not worth the risk to me. But, but I can understand that there are certain situations where you're, you know, maybe it's it's dark. You're bushwhacking. It's really hard to, like, where am I going to throw this? Maybe there's no trees. Maybe you're above Alpine. Um, where are you going to put your food? There's always those so you types you carry a board
0: then? Is that what? Mm-hmm. And you use your, like, uh, stuff sack for your sleeping bag as your bear hang? Or do you have another... I have a
2: food sack. Food sack. Yeah. So I just use that oh. for my bear hang when I was doing it. Um,
3: did you bear hang the next day then?
2: The next day, I was with two other people. Oh. No. Right. No. So you
3: mentioned you weren't, you didn't camp again in Grizzly Country. So when you were leaving the Wind River Range, where did you camp that? I didn't camp alone. Oh, alone, okay. Yeah. alone. Okay. Um,
2: I did the next summer, and I did do a bear hang.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> I'm curious what it is like exactly that makes you want to carry a gun on a backpacking trip, though. Like, has something happened in the past? That you don't want to happen again. Or...
3: <laughs> so for me personally, it's it started like it started when I was a kid and I grew up in Evergreen. I was up on Evergreen Mountain. Uh, I was uh, riding my bike up there to catch the sunset because if you get up the top, you know you have Mount Evans right there, and you can just it's gorgeous. And I was up there, and there was a um, very Unabomber looking individual, and he was on another group of you know like a rock outcropping, and I you know I'm I'm always like hey he's just doing his thing. Um, he was, it was very like ragged what he was wearing. It was like just very unkempt. And he kind of walked over to my area. So I'm just kind of keeping a a look at him here. And and I'm probably 15. And he finally walks up and he gets right in front of my view of the sunset. And so I'm kind of thinking, okay, this guy's clearly thinks I'm encroaching on his moment or whatever. So I'm going to get up and move. And then he moves in front of me again. Um, and then he turns around and he's like he's saying some sort of gibberish or, you know, like he's praying to the sun god or whatever he's doing. So I started to kind of naturally get my heart rate started, Mm -hmm. you know, pumping. Um, And then he started walking towards me. So I just got up off the rock and I ran back to my bike and I looked back just for a second and he was in full sprint towards me. What? And I got on my bike and I was, I had my knife in my hand, but I was just like on my bike flying. I don't think I've ever downhilled faster in my life. Even when I used to go downhill like steamboat skier. Like I was flying. But (laughs) it scared it's that from that moment on. And of course, you know, I love I like firearms. I like responsible use of firearms. Mm -hmm. Um I definitely believe in people's right of it, but I also think that there's, you know, everybody should have to take a class. And I was very educated. My Mm -hmm. dad was in the army. He showed me very young how to use guns and um, so that, I used to carry from that point on, but it got to the point where I realized how heavy it was. Yeah, I don't enjoy carrying it because it is heavy. <laughs> sure. And I would rather carry more food because I mm-hmm. always carry way more food than I need. Or but more I'm, whiskey. Or more whiskey, yeah. yeah. And I, I can't give, like, there's certain things that I want to bring with me that sure. I would rather have instead of that. But I also want to make my wife feel Right, you know, but it's a different <laughs> world. Like three day backpacking
0: <clears throat> is different than twelve day backpacking is different than sure. five month backpacking, right? Yeah, but.
2: and that's why you see people going insane trying to get rid of everything they can. You know, I fell victim to that myself a little bit in Northern California. It was so hot, and I was like sleeping naked, sweating every night. I was like, well, I'm sending ahead my base layers. I'm carrying them. I'm not using them, and I sent them ahead to South Lake Tahoe. And, uh, did you just um, go to
0: town. Of May- UPS or what?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. So that's a cool thru-hiker strategy that we call bouncing. Um, So we'll go into the town. And a lot of the ways that thru-hikers get um, mail is by getting it sent general delivery to the post office. Um, And so you you can write, you know, this is for Jenny, um, care of general delivery in Bernie, California. And I can just go there and pick it up. And then if I don't want it yet, I can just bounce that box ahead to the next town, to another post office. Huh. Um, and yeah, it's, it's nice and easy. You don't even have to pay extra if you don't open the box. But anyway, I bounced my base layers to South Lake Tahoe, um, when I was in Northern California and the weight savings, like, was not even hugely noticeable And then it got really, really cold. (laughs) It got so cold at night that I was wearing my friend's crusty hiking pants that I don't think had been washed the whole PCT in order to like get that extra couple degrees of warmth in my sleeping bag because I was the idiot hiking in nothing but shorts. And that's how we learn lessons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's, no, like, no. that's like a character. The hard way. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to be the kind of person who wouldn't have dreamed of ever sending ahead my base layers because I was like, there could be no amount of weight savings that's more important than having a base layer to sleep in if you're cold.
0: But but it's not like, so if I got three days, I hike in 10 miles, have a nice fire, drink some whiskey, enjoy the campfire for a couple hours. Read some Robert Service poetry. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not, like, you're getting up early, 5.30 Mm -hmm. a.m., you actually set an alarm, and you're hiking all day, and you don't want to sit around the fire most days. Is that correct? Well,
2: there's a fire ban uh, in most places for most of the thru-hike. When there was not a fire ban in Washington, that coincided with, you know, the beginning of the trail. So I was hiking much shorter mile days. I met some friends, started hiking with a group that I hiked almost the whole trail with. And we had fires every night in Washington. We would spend hours just hanging out and cooking dinner and having fun. Because it also wasn't getting dark until really late. So that was really nice. And then like fast forward to a week or two ago in Southern California. There's still a fire ban. And there's crazy wildfires because of the Santa Ana winds. But it's also like 20 degrees at night. And you have to wake up an hour before sunrise and keep hiking three hours past sunset. And that is the life of a southbound hiker.
3: Did you get a lot of the smoke from those fires? Those are, like, devastating. Yeah. As usual, like, every year it seems like that in California now. But
2: So I was super lucky. My friends and I on the PCT just outran every single fire that broke wow. out along the trail. We saw them from a distance, oh. but we didn't get smoke on the trail, and we didn't get any fire closures. Wow, Nice. Wow. That's, timing's everything, right? Yeah.
0: How do you, do you check your iPhone and look at the updates, or how do you know you're not hiking mm-hmm. into a wildfire?
2: Well, if I was hiking towards a wildfire, I'd definitely be able to see it. Um, I was, we were never at any point hiking towards the plumes of smoke that we could see. Uh, but what I would do whenever I have cell phone service, which is often on the PCT, um, check InsaWeb. It's the, uh, national government's website about forest fires and you can just put in your location and they have little, Um, pages for each fire near you that tells you the percentage it's been contained they have like twice a day or more updates on um, what's going on with it how the wind's moving what kind of crews are working on it like anything you would need to know about a fire Um, so i would check that website
3: so that kind of brings up a really interesting question that i've been thinking about too is is a lot of people these days when they head into the backcountry are super reliant on gps and through hikers in general, it's like Gut Hook. You use mm-hmm. Gut Hook, and, and, and it's awesome. Of course, it's awesome. So, when you're on the CDT and you don't have um, cell service. What's is Gut Hook an app? Yeah. Yeah, and it's he's got one for like, every long distance trail. It's a pretty amazing app. You actually should download it. It's I it's can great. It to you. Yeah, it's a waypoints, I water, like you camping. First. Is it just for the
1: through trails, or do they have other trails? Uh, they have a lot of the trails so, you know, too, and even you.
3: and that's what people like when you look at the CDT and the PCT. Like you don't have to do the whole thing. Like section hiking is cool. You can do day hikes, weekend hikes. Like it's it's an amazing trail. All of them are amazing trails. I mean, you can do it more than just the through hike, but but when you get out there, do you actually take? A map, a compass, or because I've noticed being out there, I've noticed a lot of people don't have those things, and they're relying on a phone. So if their battery dies, or their phone goes out, and most of these trails are pretty well blazed, like you said, the PCT is pretty, It's you know, you know, where you're going most of the time, you're pretty close to town, maybe. But if you're on the CDT, and you're in some of these really remote areas, and you don't have like what, what's what's kind of your backup plan? Or do you have a map? Do you what's your thought on, on orienteering, yeah. basically? Old school versus new school.
2: I had paper maps for every section of the CDT, as well as a compass, of course. Um, And that was a real pain in the ass, because when you order the maps for the CDT, you have like two inches of 11 by 17 (sighs) maps... And it weighs 8 million pounds. So you have to break them up into different sections and send them to yourselves in different boxes. um, And try and figure out which maps you're going to need when. But even so, then you still end up carrying like a massive amount of maps with you. And that just sucked because I didn't use them that much. I would say that I used them 95% for just like route planning and looking at an overview of the next day's journey. And like maybe 5% for actual navigation. um, Because I did have the app almost all of the time.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: On the PCT I didn't carry paper maps and that was a huge internal struggle for me making that decision um, because I was very much of the mindset of like how could you rely on your phone when phones can die and get lost so easily uh, or just malfunction. You had know, that happen uh,
0: right? You lost a lot of your photos on, on the one trip? Your song great trip?
2: It was kind of hard to get lost on the songwriter trip because that was literally just a ridge line um,
0: I thought you lost your phone
3: your photos yeah. on that trip.
2: Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I dropped my phone. Or no, a Lyft driver ran over my phone. Oh, oh. Yeah. On a ridge in the Seng Race? Yeah, a Lyft driver. IRL, man. I on in the Tried to get a Lyft from Cottonwood Peak. It was so expensive. It took all these 20 minutes Turned out to be a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. Oh my god! When is that gonna be a thing though? Like, how many years are we giving it until helicopter lift from mountain peaks? Um, um, really, ruined, the right? Years.
3: It's it's uh, probably pretty, pretty around the corner here anyway.
2: Yeah. I have to go to the dentist at seven thirty tomorrow. Ew, that's the yeah. We worst. don't want to keep you late yeah. either. Well, you hmm. know what? I have to thank for that is a four-and-a-half-month diet of gummy worms, Oreos, <laughs> yeah. soda, whenever oh, I can get no. it. Yeah. <laughs>
3: With no dentist along the trail. Yeah.
2: But here's one thing, all right? Wisdom, a really, really valuable lesson that I learned while well, through hiking that I've just been repeating to myself over and over again, is take one step at a time. Mm. It's true out there. It's true here. If I can just make it to the dentist tomorrow and then sit through whatever happens in that chair, I'm pretty sure I can do Anything that comes after that—that's <laughs> yeah. so, the next yeah, step. To the Bring it thing. full circle. Every <laughs> yeah. question.
0: Go to the dentist tomorrow. I'd like to ask that, but the mental—the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Do you think you're a stronger person? Like, does the shit that we think is, you know, is irritating and irrit- sticks in your craw for the entire m- afternoon, like just like so trivial for you, and you're like, you—you you accomplish such a feat, you know, hiking 40 hours a- or 40 miles a day, and you're mm-hmm. like, okay. The cashier at Safeway was rude to me, like...
2: (laughs) I don't think anything is trivial. I am a highly sensitive person. I have been my whole life. But what I think is that through hiking has changed everything about me. The outdoors in general has completely changed my life from anything you could have imagined it would be 10 or 15 years ago. But I think that through hiking has changed the way I react to things. It's not that they're trivial... It's just that I'm able to, um, hopefully, you know, observe things like a rude cashier with maybe a little bit more compassion or just like allow myself to feel like the anxieties of, you know, a future unfolding in which I have no job in which I have to go to the dentist (laughs) um, and to, like I said, to, to like take it one step at a time to cut myself a break for any kind of, um, perceived failure, which is something that's really, really been hard for me forever. Because through hiking, like I said, it's just step after step after step. You can't ignore problems. You have to address them. That's another big thing that I feel like it's given me the strength to do. And you have no choice but to keep going and to believe in yourself. And like every day that you're on a through hike, you become more and more secure in the knowledge that you can do it and you are doing it. And if you ever feel like you're not going to be able to do it, just remember that you did it yesterday and you can Mm. do it today too. Mm. Um, So cool. So yeah, having that attitude to apply to life in general is one is an enormous gift you know and my hope for myself right now nine days after the through hike is that i won't just let that fade away that's
1: cool all right that's it for this episode that wraps up part one we're going to continue in part two as we talk about some other details of through hiking as well as uh some of the 14 ers so thanks for joining us as always make your own decisions be smart out there don't uh, take anything we say too seriously and happy trails we'll see you out there